y'all. Welcome back to the God Center Mom podcast with me, Heather McFadden. This is part two of episode 182 of my conversation with Terry Conlon. She's a mom of four grown children, one of whom is on the autism spectrum, and she's here to share some wisdom, perspective, and advice. You can outsmart a label, expect more or get more than the label will tell you, but the label will also help you. So we kind of tried to use use it for good and not let it box us in. So you do have to kind of hold this, I'm not sure he's ready for that, but I can still dream big dreams for him, at the, in one in each hand. Thanks y'all for your encouraging emails and messages that Terry's words have been balm to your soul that is hurting. You've cried tears as you've listened to her. You've been encouraged by her story. Well, she's back. In today's episode, we're going to talk through how your friends can support you and love you when your child is on the autism spectrum. What to do when your child doesn't get invited to birthday parties. How do you facilitate those friendships for your child uh, with autism? How do you help them get through puberty? How to talk to them about the diagnosis? And how do you tell the difference between a symptom of autism and a behavior that really truly needs discipline? Lastly, Terry addresses uh, what can we expect in teaching our children with autism about Jesus. It's a great conversation. Thanks for joining us. Let's get right to it. Here we go. How can friends help? I had a lot of gals give questions wanting to know what's the best way to support someone mm-hmm. like yourself mm-hmm. through that season because sometimes when, when it's something we aren't familiar with, we're more afraid to jump in. Because we don't want to yes. offend or we don't want to add extra stress or we'll sometimes say this happens with grief in general. You lose someone and someone says, well, just let me know how I can help. Well, that just added another right. burden. I know I have to come up with a right. way for you to help me. So what right. are some ideas that were the most helpful that friends did for you? She honestly may not know. <laughs> I mean, it, it'd be nice to ask her because maybe what she needed was different than me. But be ready to take a wild guess. I you know, small things were, I, I needed small things. I had a friend bring wreath over and stick it on my door one day. Mm. My run in the woods was a small thing, but if I could get to do that, that was great. And I didn't, Mac was difficult to leave with other people. So that lots of people offered that. Well, how about I take him for the weekend so y'all can go do this? Or how about, you know, I take him so you can have a date night, but I, that, I mean, we came home to babysitters in tears. So I knew that that was, you know, a sweet offer, but may not (laughs) go very well for anybody. So it might not have to be big. I did once a month cooking with a friend of mine. That was a thing back then where you, we divided our list. We each went shopping on our own time. And then one day we got together with our littles and um, while the bigs were in school and we did once a month cooking and she could handle it. She could handle his behavior, and I didn't feel judged there. And at the end of the day, for a doer to have a stack of, you know, 15 cooked meals or, you know, prepared meals that I could just stack in the fridge, and we would order a pizza, and I would go home exhausted, but not having to, you know, do but salads and breads and, you know, that kind of thing for a month. Because you never knew what afternoon was going to be like. There were days that, you know, dinner time was the worst time, which it can be. So to have something mostly prepared was really helpful. And, you know, you might just have to hold her grief. If she can tell you and you're willing to hear the bad behavior, 
that, you know, that she got hit or spit or he broke things or he threw things or he said something you would never let your child say and not fix it. That's a big deal. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a really big deal. Holding people's pain is not very easy and we're not, we're not very good at it. So I, I did a lot of judging on myself. So I don't know. That's why need, maybe you didn't was, need another voice judging. No, yeah, no, no I, I really didn't. I did. I, <laughs> I think no. all of us are pretty tough on ourselves. Yeah, um, that's and, why small things are great. Yeah, because a small thing it doesn't even have to necessarily do with the child. It's a mercy for her that you see her, and you could write a card. You could leave something at her doorstep. You could give her a book of a beautiful book of the Psalms so that just on her own time, she can read it. You could offer like one night when the kids go to bed, you know, could you and your husband agree and I'll just come grab you and we'll go have a glass of wine or something. Mm -hmm. I mean, it could be just small because breaks, breaks and little beauties. I don't know. It it probably doesn't feel like it's enough, but I think it, she will feel seen and that, and that, you know, she's hurting. Yeah, I think that would help with the feeling of isolation. Even yeah. just, I mean, if someone brought me a wreath, I would feel valued and seen and not forgotten. What mm-hmm. about for friends, you know, the whole play date scenario, and you want your own neurotypical kids to be sensitive and willing to play with mm-hmm. kids that are, you know, maybe diagnosed with autism. How how do you help facilitate that? Did Mac have friends that you, you know, had intentionally talked to another mom and said, let's get Mac and these kids together so he can have those relationships? Yes. This is where I, the whole mercy building part comes into play because Mac really didn't get invited to birthday parties. And mm. I knew why. I mean, you know, he he hit kids and he took their toys away and, you know, he disrupted Sunday school and he tore up kids' coloring pages and it's not, it doesn't get you invitations to birthday parties. It probably bothered me more than it bothered him at that point. He was a little guy and not that social. So, but I was devastated, but I, one day I woke up and I thought, well, why can't we invite all the other kids who might not get invited to Mac's birthday party? So I did, one-on-one was better. I usually invited to our house. A lot of times it was a kid that wasn't as smooth socially, but he needed to be around kids who were socially adept so that he could learn that. Mm-hmm. But it, was, it wasn't big groups. It was one-on-one, and it might be at the park, or it might be where some, it wasn't my toys, your toys kind of situation. Yeah. Um, and it, it would be short, and we wouldn't, I didn't expect, and this is where you decide what you're going to tell someone. He was going to play alongside you. He wasn't really going to play with you for a long time, but that was okay. Mm -hmm. Once I understood that was okay, just play next to each other. And, you know, you talk about we're going to see Bobby and, you know, they'll start to have, they don't, my idea of friendship and deep friendship and deep connection, I couldn't necessarily lay that on Mac. Right. Not in the early, not in the early years. Later, obviously, when we think we're made for a relationship that God made us that way with to connect with God and other people, we want to develop that. But in the beginning, 
let's just learn other people's names. Let's just be kind. Let's just play alongside them. Let's invite them to our birthday party and and start thinking about our friend in a wheelchair. Can he come to putt putt golf? And can you know? Can we make it so that he can come? Because I I bet there were moms who would have loved to have invited at that point us because you come with your child and just didn't know how to do it. Yeah. Or and I don't necessarily put that on their child. A child's birthday party should be what the child's birthday party should be. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really think anyone was purposely leading, leaving us out. But yeah, I usually said, and it was pretty obvious, that Mac had some struggles. And I would usually say it has to do with communication and social skills and playing and cooperative play. And, you know, most kids are learning it at that stage anyway, but they're learning it slower and harder. (laughs) Yeah. So when I think it goes back to your expectations too, like you said, I, I can't expect that depth of relationship when he's young. I maybe can't expect him to have this giant group of friends to keep your expectations to a level, you know, that matches where that child is currently. And that's, that's where it's on us. You know, we want our kids to be popular, but that may not be, I mean, I have some of my neurotypical kids that they want one or two friends and you let go of the fact that they may not be the popular kid in the class. So I think all of us as moms, we're working on our own heart issues as we approach all these relationships. Like you said, we're made for relationships and relationship with God, but it's going to look different than we thought perhaps. And I think that's really good to talk through. So Mac is Mm -hmm. um, now 23, but you, we did get one question about how do you get through puberty? You know, talking about like Mm -hmm. little kids playing side by side and everyone's Mm -hmm. learning social skills, Mm -hmm. but then we get into, okay, this is getting trickier. Kids are, kids are not Um, only just socially having issues, but we are talking hormones and awareness. What what was that like for you? He, he was in the public school and in an alternative classroom and he didn't do camp. He really couldn't. The big uh, rah-rah you know, vacation Bible school and church camp and, you know, even retreats, he didn't do until we moved to a smaller church. And then he did it way better at a smaller church. And so he, you know, he, he, he just grew fast. So he's a big kid, but socially didn't go with his size. So we were always in that very awkward, awkward stage of you look like you should be able to do whatever it is, X, but but developmentally you really can't. And we just had to get, I think it was Chuck Swindoll who said, a tough skin and a tender heart. Mm. And we tend to do it the other way around as a mom and get a tough heart and a very thin skin. And so I did have to kind of flip that around a little bit. And, you know, yeah, being popular was not a goal I had for God. He didn't have that for himself. Right. He, a few good friends would be good for him. Mm-hmm. So sometimes the whatever the birthday party was during adolescence, it might just be one child or maybe three. And we would just have pizza and make it very much smaller. Yeah. Uh, very much quieter. And uh, we, we did things like that were less team like they might bowl or putt-putt golf or 
you like know, do those kinds of things. Like an individual yes. sport. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Instead of big group gangs where everybody's jostling each other or yeah. there's a competitive, you know, stealing trading game going on. But I, my other kids did all that. So birthday parties looked really different for my typical kids and for Mac. We still did cake and all that, but. How, how aware was he at different stages? I, we got a lot of questions about, especially on the higher end, uh, higher functioning, more Asperger's level of autism. Yeah. The child might be aware that children right. are them differently, but they still struggle socially. At what point do you tell them that they have a diagnosis? And did Matt get to that point as he goes went into the teenage years? Yeah. So I think in the early years, we we talked more around his behaviors, right? Mm-hmm. The outbursts and the, you know, you go to this classroom because of outbursts and because you need a smaller classroom. And we kind of talked about it more that way. Eventually though, they do need to know what their diagnosis is and kind of what it means and be able to respond to it. And, and would he advocate for himself at this point too? Have you kind of told him that? No. Okay. Well, we've tried to teach him that. Yeah. He he would rather at this point just tell who he wants to tell if he wants to tell them. Right. It's not a front and center thing. Now he's very open about he takes medication and when he had play, you know, dates and he would we would be very like kind of like to want to pull him over into the kitchen, it's time for your meds and he would just say, "Okay, I got to go take my medicine. I'll be back in a minute. And so yeah. we we really did take our cues from him. Okay, he's totally comfortable with that, which turned out to be a great thing because he just didn't resist taking the medications that we took a long time to get to. But when we finally got to it, you needed to be consistent and fair to your body. So we took his cue on that. Very comfortable with anyone knowing that he takes medications and not so much wanting you to broadcast that he... Uh, they used to say Asperger's. Now they just say on the spectrum. But right. and so he has sort of asked us to let him. And you know he's twenty three. So right. when he goes to apply for a job, he doesn't say anything. He gets the job or doesn't get it. Um, we do a lot of coaching around interviewing and you know clearly eye contact and asking your own questions and and we've suggested to him that it might be a good way for him to advocate for himself because he could create some work environments that might be more conducive to him. So far, he hasn't wanted to do that. I did go with him when he first went to community college. And it's it's a tricky thing to have your mom (laughs) come and try to advocate. And we did it behind the scenes, you know, not I wasn't walking around campus or anything with him, but th- that's tough. He he may come to a point where he says, okay, I do want to tell them I need these accommodations or I need, you know, a little bit longer to take a test because in high school, they'll do some advocating for you. Mm-hmm. It's built in, mm-hmm. but when you cross over into college, you're it's really up to you to do that. So we've tried to help him kind of from behind the scenes and he hasn't really wanted to access it, which I think keeps him sometimes from being successful in those situations. But what you're already saying that's maybe blowing the mind of a young mom who's mm-hmm. tantruming is mm-hmm. that community college is something that has been a reality. And you talked about job interviews. 
Yeah. So if does you live so with y'all or does he live? He lives the- he lives with us. Okay. And the, the beautiful thing about a diagnosis is a diagnosis is very helpful in education. Mm-hmm. So you can have a medical diagnosis and then they want to know how that affects your education. And so if you need special classrooms or a shortened day or a modified diploma, your diagnosis is going to help you get that. You're still going to have to sort of fight for it and work for it. So I will say you can outsmart a label or, you know, expect more or get more than the label will tell you, but the label will also help you. So we kind of tried to use use it for good and not let it box us in. So right. you do have to kind of hold this. I'm not sure he's ready for that, but I can still dream big dreams for him mm-hmm. at the, in one in each hand and just maybe move between them. So he graduated from high school with a modified diploma, which means he fulfilled all the requirements, but he didn't do, uh, he did it in a modified classroom and he didn't fulfill his language requirement. So because he did that, he has to go to community college. Okay. You, you, before you go to your four-year college, you got to get the language piece. That has proven to be really difficult for him. And so he did uh, a job transition during the transition program. So they also, because you had a modified diploma, you can get services until you're 21. So from 18 to 21, he actually walked up here to the high school and worked in the computer department, interned. So he was an unpaid intern. And he did that every day and learned how to network computers and all all computer stuff and he could do it and he could do it great. Mm. The little gap has been now from 21 to 23, you know, a couple of attempts at community college, some job interviews, he got one for a day. So we we haven't quite found that place yeah. yet. And I think he will. I think he will. Um he's doing some online self-paced computer programming, which is filling the gap for now. Yeah. But I think he would like to live on his own. And I think he could at some point, but having a job would be, you know, we're not going to probably try it yet till he has a job. So very good. I think that's very, yeah, but he does drive. That's another thing we didn't know he yeah. would do. He, yeah. he didn't get his license when he was 16. I think he was 18. And you know, you just don't know. You got to, it was, it was a nerve wracking to teach him. And, and obviously we worried more about him than other, um, our other kids. Although you worry about all of them. I I just want to avoid that whole thing. Jesus has to come (laughs) back before any of my kids drive. I know know. it's, It's uh, we really are. Yeah. Yeah. And you said it well, there's, God is working (laughs) on the parents while we're parenting. (laughs) (laughs) So that's where we, yeah. yeah. But how did you manage, we got some questions about discipline or, Mm. you know, when the behaviors, you have siblings Mm -hmm. and his behavior is unacceptable, but it's motivated by, by the developmental delays and it's Mm -hmm. not an intentional uh, behavior issue and you have siblings and they're saying, well, that's not fair. How did you, how did you discipline and know the difference between this is, a behavior that's consistent with his diagnosis, and this is a behavior that is actually not okay, and it's sin. How can you help that young mom who's sorting through that? Yeah, well, it does help if you really can know the delayed areas of your child. So, you know, we he was tested by a psycho a child psychologist, a child neuropsychologist. 
he was seen by a psychiatrist, he was seen by the school. And so we really, and then you have to sort of sort through all of that. But we did know that he had a receptive language delay so that breaking down of of instructions and directions were important. That processing time, the neuropsychologist found that was slow. So um, he was going to need help with transitions and uh, moving from one activity to the other and maybe extra time to take a test. His balance, that that was an interesting one. His balance was poor and some of his muscle tone, which you can strengthen some of it, but it meant sports were hard and bike riding was hard. And so, you know, you go on a family vacation, you want everyone to ride their bike and Mm. he would throw his bike. When we got that that testing back, it was like, okay, it's still not okay to throw your bike, right. but it we helps know us now. understand why you were so frustrated. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, and he had some touch issues and some fear issues. So when we could put him in any of those categories, it helped us to approach it. Now, I just kind of came at it was we could not accept harm, harm to self, harm to others, or harm to property. And when we were dealing with that, it was, it, we had to deal with it. I felt like that has to be, even if it takes longer than we want, we'll have to apologize. We'll have to pay for it. We'll have to make it right. Make sure people way. are safe. Yes. Yeah. And you, so you're going to learn about forgiveness. You're going to learn about a genuine apology. You're going to learn about restitution and, and, and the schools will, you know, they've got, schools have to keep kids safe too. Right. And, and schoolwork cannot be ruined. So they will, if you're wanting to overcover for your child, they will also help with that. We, he was suspended and he was expelled. And, you know, that is just part of hmm. that tender heart, thick skin. If, if, you know, yes, he's learning, but sometimes you're going to have to step out if you do these things that are unacceptable. So, but we also looked underneath the behavior to the heart whenever we could. So all of that harmed other people. There's no good heart thing in there. <laughs> so that has to yeah. be dealt with. And even if you, it, it, even if they do it multiple times and you just keep being consistent, I think eventually you either, they start to get it or they get a piece of it and you can build on it. Or you just do a bunch of praise when they get angry and don't harm <laughs> a right. person, a place or a thing. But the behaviors a lot of time, and I don't think I would have, I hadn't really figured this out with my other children yet. They're really indicators of other things, maybe immaturity or fear or pain or trauma or just poor coping skills. So if you're going to look behind the behavior, so throwing the bike, it was really hard for him. He didn't feel comfortable on the two wheels with no, tra- you know, he felt unmoored in the world. And eventually he could tell us that, but in the beginning it was just throwing the bike. Still throwing the bike is not acceptable because that's harm to property and, you know, maybe a person if you happen to be in the way. I read and I, I think it's trip, Ted trip, maybe shepherding your child's heart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember reading that um, when Mac when we were really struggling with Mac and thinking, oh, I wish I had read this eight years ago when I had started having children. (laughs) Because uh, sometimes we want to address the behavior. You can't talk like that or you can't throw your food or you can't, you know. And sometimes that's all it is. You just literally can't throw your food. But maybe I figure out, did they throw their food because it was hot or because 
you know, in a burn their mouth or were they mad? What were they mad about? Just trying to get behind the behavior if I can. And that helps me decide too, whether I've made a mountain out of a molehill. We just, we didn't, we didn't stress over hair for any of the kids, (laughs) whatever the hair looked like, almost whatever they wanted to wear. And there seems like there was a third thing. We just decided food. That was it. We just didn't die on those hills. Now, someone else, for other reasons, you might pick one of those things. But I just sort of got over myself that his shirt was going to be tucked in and that anything was going to... I mean, you know what? If he could get dressed and we could get out the door and actually go to school or church, we were good with that. So you do. You swallow a lot of pride and expectations, some of which probably needed to go. Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, for a family portrait, you... You know, or picture, Christmas picture, you are what we just said, you know what, if you'll be in the picture, we're happy. (laughs) And the same with church. I mean, now, even now he will sit sometimes in the lobby. And I was a few years ago saying, you know, it feels disrespectful. I think you should be in the sanctuary. You don't have to sit with the family. And he said, I, but mom, I like to go to church and I like to be there, Mm -hmm. but I'm more comfortable in the lobby. And I told my husband afterwards, what, what am I making a deal out of? If mm-hmm. my child, my almost grown child wants to be at church, doesn't miss and likes being there, mm-hmm. just likes being in the presence of the community church, why do I care where he sits? And if it's, you know, if it seems disrespectful and someone wants to say something, they're welcome to. And I now can understand why he's doing that. And But I need to not worry about what it looks like. But I, I had to figure that out. Is it disrespectful? Is he coming but wishes he weren't yeah. there? Or like, what is that about and why? Why is it? But, you know, a sanctuary is music and sitting next to each other and sit and stand. And it's a... It's a lot of input. And I've come to see, because we go to a much smaller church, he's not the only one in the lobby. (laughs) Right. There are plenty of people who just need you to not sing that song or clap or, you know, talk about that thing or, I don't know, sit so close to me or whatever. And so uh, that's what I mean about getting behind the behavior. I think there would have been a time in my parenting where I would have just said, you sit with us in church because that's what families do and that's respectful and that's why we come. And yeah, uh, I think that's really good. I think that's really good to get to what is my why, what behind it. When you mentioned church and your son wanting to go to church, we had someone Mm -hmm. ask, how do you teach a child with autism about Jesus? What are, can our expectations mm. be in the faith category? I, I, I believe every child has a spiritual need to have a spiritual life. Now, they may not choose it or they may choose it and, and walk away from it. So I think you, we never tried to ignore, even though he had communication struggles and relation struggles, that we just weren't going to present. A relationship with Christ to, to him. So he grew up on veggie tales and <laughs> taking the other kids to camp and taking the other kids to vacation Bible school and, and knowing that Jesus loved him and made him and has a plan for his life. Uh, we didn't know how that, we didn't always know what that meant to him or I don't even know if he did, but we just, 
we always went. Uh, well, there were years where we had home church yeah. or we did the divide and conquer or he sat with us in church. Um, and I think just a bunch of stuff just went over his head and he was just there obediently maybe. But we just kept going and, you know, listened to music and always were just what you do with your other children, you know, talked about Christmas and what it meant and and the Christmas story and, you know, whatever he could do. He never... He didn't always want to participate in Sunday school activities, but he was around it a lot. (laughs) Eventually, he went on a mission trip with my husband and our youngest daughter, which was a huge deal. And he came back from that and wanted to be baptized. Wow. So, but, you know, we did a lot of preparation. We don't know what this is going to be like. Mm. Obviously, he has to have his meds and someone needs to just which my husband would do, make sure he takes them. And if he has any fears while we're there, you know, what's the, we, we did do a lot of telling in that situation when you're going away with someone. Now he, had, that wasn't the first thing he did. He he wound up doing a couple of, um, probably three years of just a weekend high school retreat, just like three hours from here. Again, my husband went the first time or two, (laughs) and then we let, you know, we just took these baby steps to see what he could do and how we could make him successful. So, and he, like I said, he doesn't understand why you would go to any other church, Mm -hmm. even if one of our grandbabies is getting baptized. (laughs) Like, is he he at the place where he would pray? Like, does he? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. He would pray and... uh, but, you know, we prayed all the he, time. He would have a relationship. Like he would talk. I would. Yes, yeah. he does. And he asked to be, you know, baptized. And he's the one who says, I have a church and I'm going there. And if we're not there, because maybe we went to see a grandbaby get dedicated or out of town, he'll go. He'll go on his own. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, for now, he has that relationship. And it's the one part I would say about autism most Kids on the spectrum love a routine. They love what's familiar. They love what's predictable. So use that to your advantage. With church. Because yeah. he, with everything, yeah. he loves the stuff we do as families. He loves going mm. to church. He, Traditions he, and those kinds of things. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Now, there's going to be some that he may not like, and there's always been foods he's not wanted to try even, and uh, but he still likes being around and being near them and having them happen around him. And this will be a challenge when he lives on his own. We'll probably do some hybrid thing where he doesn't fully live on his own at first because we don't want him to lose all of those, you know, getting to be around all of that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he might, he might isolate himself if he doesn't understand you're not putting yourself around that. And if you're not creating it, then you've kind of it's diminished or you're losing it. Mm. But um, yeah. And, you know, he's getting to the age where I'm reminded to ask him a lot more questions because he may not tell me without me asking him. Mm. So your questions are making me think, oh, the next conversation <laughs> we have, I can <laughs> not, 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 you know, poking at him, but yeah. just kind of getting his view on what he thinks about it. That's good. Well, I appreciate yeah. you, Terry, so very much mm. chatting with us, sharing your story, Uh, Like you said, this is your story, your journey with Mac and your family. And we know there's so many different versions of this and what it looks like. But it's it does give us hope to know that even though you had the stressful days, even though you had the fears, even though you've had the loneliness, that Mm -hmm. God has emboldened your faith 
through it all, that He has ministered to your heart, that He has met you, and each of those feelings, that He has been faithful, that He is big enough. All of that is such an encouragement to the gal that's listening right now, um, no matter what trial she finds herself in. So thank you so much for sharing with us. Oh, it was fun. Oh, it was fun. I I do wish there had been podcasts around (laughs) (laughs) in the younger years just to be able to hear how it was going for someone else. So thank you for having me. And you do write online. So just tell everyone quickly where they could find you online. Oh, yeah. I love Instagram. I'm on Instagram at Terry Conlin, T-E-R-R-I-C-O-N-L-I-N. And I have a blog, whitepitchers.com. Like a pitcher um, you a, pour water Like out a of. pitcher you pour. Yeah. I like to say it's a kind of a spot in the world to rest a minute and fill up your soul. And I've started doing some writing there um, about Mac. And there's probably three or four and I call it the alphabet of autism and grace. And so I'm kind of marching through the alphabet a little bit. So I think you'll find A is for all, B is for bridges, C is for collaborate. So if anyone's interested and finds them, I got a lot of response from mamas kind of struggling through that. So I'll that, that helped all me. Those. I'll put links to all those in the show notes so people can. Perfect. Yeah. 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 So those are the two places um, that you can find me. And um, mm-hmm. yeah. We appreciate you. Thank you so much. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Okay, you too. All right. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye, Heather. I know I've said it before. I'll say it again. Thank you to all of you who shared questions over on Instagram. I know I forgot to post uh, requests for questions on Facebook this time. So sorry. With homeschooling, it is a bit tough to post on social media. And so when I get a quick second, I try, but... In general, I am uh, keeping up with the podcast and doing what I can here or there. Excited about the live event. Met a couple gals tonight when I was uh, at a school function who told me they would be at the live event. So you're real people. You are coming. We will celebrate four years of the podcast. We will post that episode here in November. Super excited. Uh, Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing with your friends. If you know of a friend whose child has autism and maybe they've never listened to the show before, I hope that uh, in an easy way you can share this with them so that it can be an encouragement so that they know that you know it's hard and um, that you, you know, maybe it's time to get a wreath that you can share with them. That was a fun idea. I can't imagine that. I think it would be so great if someone showed up. Okay, now I'm going to get a ton of wreaths. No, don't bring me a wreath. But I think it's a very simple, easy way to show love to someone that you care about. Uh, So, anywho, have a great rest of your week. And whatever you're going to do with your kids to celebrate fall or whatever you're going to do for this Halloween. um, There's a super cute couple that messaged me that made a great video talking about how different uh, Christians celebrate this holiday. I'm going to post that on Facebook this week. Uh, I watched it with my boys and it was cute to hear them say uh, at the end, well, that's what we do. So uh, I'll post that. I'll post that today, maybe, (laughs) if I remember. Oh, y'all are sweet to stick with me. I'm a little bit of a Fliberty gibbet. So let's shout out to uh, Joe versus the volcano if you're still even listening to this episode. Okay. Official sign off. Have a great week. Adios. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the God-Centered Mom podcast. If you're looking for more resources on how to replace me with he, 
go to GodCenteredMom.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guest. I want you to really understand and know that God is just as present while you are washing dishes at your kitchen sink as while you are worshiping Him in a church pew. He sees your service to your family and He is pleased. As it says in Zephaniah 3.17, The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love, and he will rejoice over you with singing. Have a great day.